0: Welcome to the podcast, Filled with His Love, the only podcast that draws upon both religion and psychology to help you strengthen your attachment relationships. Here's your host, Dr. Russ Osgothorpe, Emeritus Professor of Instructional Psychology and Technology, author and speaker. His latest book, entitled Filled with His Love, Strengthening Our Attachment to God and to Others, is available on Amazon now. One of my favorite sports movies is Hoosiers. There's a scene in this classic sports movie where the new coach walks into this small-town gym to meet his new team members. Seeing him enter, the team members rise to meet him, but one player stays seated on the bench. Wondering why that player didn't come forward, the coach asks, "And, and what about you? The young man skulks toward the other team members, fixes his gaze toward the floor, and finally musters the courage to speak. My name's Ollie. I'm not no good. I'm just an equipment manager. The coach then tries to convince Ollie that because he's from Indiana, he can play basketball, and the team needs him. As the season progresses, Ollie actually gets some minutes on the floor, and then... At the most crucial moment in the state championship game, Ollie finds himself on the free throw line with two shots. His team is the underdog, and he's the underdog player. Short and a bit clumsy. So at that defining moment, when his team is one point behind with only three seconds left on the clock, the other team calls timeout so they can ice Ollie. The coach says to the team, sitting on the bench, after Ollie makes his second shot, and then shifting his face squarely in front of Ollie's, and you will make that second shot, Ollie. Then he turns back to the rest of the team. You get right back on defense. Ollie approaches the free throw line with fear in his eyes, reluctantly plants his feet behind the line, and gets ready to make the shot. Two players on the opposing team taunt him. As they pass by, one saying, I didn't know they grew him so small down on the farm. Hearing the taunts, his teammate comes up to Ollie, pats him on the back and says, Don't pay any attention to them. Just put it in the hole. He launches the ball underhand and miraculously makes his first shot. As the ball swishes through the net, the crowd begins to roar. The score is tied. If he makes his second shot, Ollie will have helped his team achieve the biggest upset ever. He stares at the basket. Time seems to stop. Finally, he launches his second shot. And miracle of miracles, it goes through the basket again. The final three seconds tick off the clock. His team has won the state championship. Not long ago, a survey in Indiana asked respondents to name the most important sports event of all time in the state. That high school basketball state championship came up number one. It is also one of the most watched clips of any sports movie ever. So I've asked myself, why? Why is this clip so meaningful to people, and why was that unlikely victory that day in a high school gym in Indiana so memorable to the citizens of that state? Is it because we all like the underdog to win? Is it because we all feel a little bit like Ollie at times? Not talented enough? Not smart enough? Not worthy enough? Not attractive enough? Is it because we don't like to be taunted as the opposing players taunted Ollie? My hunch is that the answer is all of the above. We might all say to ourselves, as Ollie said to coach, I'm not no good. I'm just a... and you can fill in the blank. So when we think of the attachment diagram, we find ourselves on the right side of the diagram. We don't feel like we're worth very much. And we've all known someone like the players on the opposing team who were so cocky, so self-confident, that they made fun of those they looked down on. Those overly confident ones were on the left side of the diagram, feeling like they were going to win no matter what. Until recently, I had never thought about the relationship between pride and worthlessness and how those two conditions relate to attachment theory. In Elder Uchtdorf's talk, You Matter to Him, He explains powerfully how the adversary attacks us by making us feel worthless. He refers to the book of Moses and also to Abraham where we feel this sense of our nothingness when we look at the grandeur of all the creations of God. Elder Uchtdorf explains, This is a paradox of man. Compared to God, man is nothing, yet we are everything to God. Let me just read that again. I I love this quote. This is a paradox of man, of all humanity. Compared to God, man is nothing. Yet we are everything to God. When we compare ourselves to the endlessness, the vastness of God's creations, we naturally feel small and insignificant. But Elder Uchtdorf reminds us that we are actually everything to God. We are his most prized creations. So what does the adversary do? He attacks us where he knows he can hurt us the most. He tries to convince us that we really are nothing, that we're not no good, as Ali said. At every turn, he presses on us, trying to convince us that we don't really matter, that we are not worthy of God's love or of anyone else's love, for that matter. That puts us squarely in the anxious box. The anxious attachment style, always worrying, always talking negatively to ourselves. In the audiobook, The Neuroscience of Change, Kelly McGonigal asks her listeners to do a meditation on someone they know who is suffering. Then imagine how they would respond to that person. Say the person has just been in an accident, for example, and is recovering at home. McGonigal asks her listeners to imagine themselves standing at the bedside of their injured friend. What would they say to their friend who is suffering? Most imagine that they would try to respond by giving comfort, expressing confidence in the person, bringing peace in a troubled time. They would say positive, uplifting, and healing things to their friends. Next, McGonagall asks listeners to imagine a time in their life when they have experienced some serious problem, some type of suffering. She says, Imagine how you would talk to yourself about your own suffering. Most people are kind and compassionate to their friend, but they are often quite negative towards themselves. They say things like, Well, self, it's your own fault you got yourself into this problem. You could have avoided it, but you didn't. Not much compassion here. They're like Ollie. I'm I'm not no good. People with healthy attachment styles are compassionate toward others. But they are also compassionate toward themselves. They can forgive themselves for making a mistake. It's all in the second commandment. Love thy neighbor as thyself we are actually commanded to show compassion to ourselves as well as to others. Now let's look at the avoidant box for a moment. Those with an avoidant attachment style feel no need for others, or at times, even for God. They place themselves above others just as those taunting players on Ollie's opposing team. Pride which really grows out of a need to be better than everyone else, gets in their way every day. Because they don't trust others as much as they trust themselves, they distance themselves from God and from others. The irony, and I think this is so interesting, the irony is that such self-aggrandizing pride often arises from deep feelings of insecurity. And some of those feelings may be a result of early rejection by those who should have loved them the most. So where do feelings of pride and worthlessness fit in the secure attachment style box? Because no matter how secure we feel in our relationship with God or others, we still periodically suffer from feelings of pride or worthlessness. These are, after all, natural feelings for anyone. We recognize daily our limitations. And we also recognize daily the danger of judging others who we may view as less capable. So pride and worthlessness are part of living on this earth. It's when one or both take over that we get into real trouble with relationships. Those with secure attachment style experience moments of pride and worthlessness, but they don't go to the extremes of those with anxious or avoidance styles and we haven't even mentioned the dysfunctional style, the mix of anxious and avoidance styles, these people are plagued with both pride and worthlessness. But any prideful feelings are a total cover-up for their feelings of worthlessness. They seek closeness and then push it away. They crave social contact and then recoil when a relationship begins to get serious. When they retreat from a relationship or reject someone, they appear to be just like the avoidant person. But inside, they do not have the confidence of the avoidant person. They simply can't bring themselves to trust and keep trying to make the relationship work. They are actually, for me, I believe in the toughest box of all. There is no question in my mind that one of the causes of the increase in anxiety, depression issues in our culture, particularly the rising generation, is due to attachment issues, the inability to form secure, safe, enduring relationships with God and with others. One of my therapist friends recently explained how prevalent anxiety is, quote, Oh, nearly everyone we see has some problem with anxiety, quote, he said. The problems go all over the place, but at the root is often anxiety. They want to form lasting relationships, but sometimes drive the other person away because they are so needy, so afraid, that they will be rejected. The answer comes back to Elder Uchtdorf's declaration that we all, every one of us, matter to the Lord. I like his closing words, Please understand that what you see and experience now is not what forever will be. You will not feel loneliness, sorrow, pain, or discouragement forever. We have the faithful promise of God that He will neither forget nor forsake those who incline their hearts to Him. It's like in our hymn, How Firm a Foundation, I will never, no, never forsake you. This is why loving God is the first and great commandment. We need to love the Lord, and we need to feel His love for us. We need to speak to ourselves in difficult moments, in moments of discouragement or trial, as the Lord would speak to us. He would be compassionate toward us. He would forgive us. So we need to be compassionate toward ourselves and forgive ourselves. And then we can reach out to others and be compassionate toward them. We can leave the judgmental or prideful thoughts in the dust. We can yield to spiritual promptings and develop close, secure, enduring attachments with those we love.